Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. I decided to start Amazing Stories because as a fan, I couldn't find a podcast that was 100% dedicated to sharing stories of adventure, fantasy, the supernatural, and macabre. So please, follow, share, and if you can, support my podcast, Amazing Stories, where every day I bring you a new story. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing story. Previously. He always said he'd have a throat cut if she made life difficult for him. Puzzling why he was there. Pull strings and make things happen. The The red red apricot. Champagne reception, not Carver. What a nightmare. Bottilai was the most gifted, the tallest, the handsomest politician of his generation, with a communist hero for a dad. He wanted to lead China. But after his wife was arrested for the murder of Neil Haywood, he was sacked, tried and jailed. Not for murder, not for covering it up even, but for the typical charge sheet against a Communist Party boss, bribes and abuse of power. It was a classic Chinese political takedown. Here's how it happened. The trial was held under tight security in a city far from Bochelai's power base. Every detail was carefully planned. They even brought in giants. The six-foot-tall Bochelai stood in the dock, flanked by officers who towered over him in an effort to make him look small. But Bochelai appeared as confident as charismatic as ever. His former police chief, Wang Li-jun, the gun-toting narcissist who'd fled to the Americans disguised as an old woman, appeared in a wheelchair, rolled out to betray his old boss. Foreign journalists weren't allowed in, so we're relying on a partial transcript released by the court. Wang Li-jun's testimony is read here by an actor. Bo... Punched me. My mouth was bleeding. There was liquid dripping out of my ear. The former police chief is recounting the moment he confronted Bortelai with evidence proving that his wife had poisoned Neil Haywood. I told him calmly he needed to face the facts. He picked up a glass, smashed it on the floor and said he could not accept it. Bortelai wasn't angry about the murder or the cover-up. He was angry because his once loyal police chief had secretly kept evidence pinning the murder on his wife and he was using it now to blackmail Borgelai. Both men knew it was something that Borgelai's political enemies could easily use against him. But instead of buying off the police chief, Borgelai made a fatal mistake. He got angry and he punched Wang Lijun. Wang Lijun feared for his life and ran to the Americans. This was a huge risk for Wang Lijun to take. He threatened Borsilai and he tried to defect. Either one of them could have got him killed. So why did he do it? It's time to talk about Borsilai's enemies. Hong <laughs> 
This is the president of China, Xi Jinping. Standing ramrod stiff in an open-top car, reviewing a military parade on Beijing's Tiananmen Square, shouting greetings to the biggest army in the world. Bo Xilai wanted to be standing in that car, but Xi Jinping beat him to it. The two were lifelong rivals. They grew up together at the very top of the Communist Party, as Chinese politics expert Kerry Brown explains. At the elite level, they all live together, they eat together, they do everything together. <laughs> so I think there are linkages that we would never really expect. It's like a massive sort of gentleman's club, because it's, it's almost all men, and the sort of uh, lives they live are probably like this big family. Bo Xilai was better looking, a much more charismatic politician, and from a more powerful family. From the outside, the obvious winner. Success in Chinese politics has always been about building alliances and finding your rivals' weak points. Here, Xi Jinping outplayed Bo Xilai. The murder in the Lucky Holiday Hotel became Bo Xilai's weak point. Xi Jinping, his supporters and those who hated Bo Xilai crafted this case together. Journalist Ho Pin wrote a book about the murder and how it fitted into China's battle at the top. I think it's a big conspiracy. It's mainly because of the power struggle in the top leadership. The timing matters. Every 10 years, the Communist Party changes its leadership. Xi Jinping was due to become president. Bo Xilai was fighting hard for one of the other six seats, at the top table. If he'd made it, he would have outshone Xi Jinping. And as this battle was playing out, Neil Haywood was murdered. Lawyer Li Zhuang. Look at the time and the place of the murder and the way it was handled. And you won't find it surprising that Gu Kai Lai murdered Neil Haywood. It was in 2011, less than a year before the Communist Party Congress, a pivotal moment for whether her husband would become a member of the Politburo Standing Committee. There was no room for mistakes. It was fantastic good fortune for Xi Jinping to have this tremendously popular politician removed. Kerry Brown. And Borsi like had he still been around, would have been a powerful sort of personality to look at. How amazing that he's he just got removed in, in this very, very big way. Um, so that may mean that Xi Jinping is a really lucky politician. That's possible. Or it may mean that the kind of whole thing was manipulated in different ways. None of this came out in court. The prosecution carefully avoided asking this key question, why had Wang Lijun blackmailed his boss? So let's try to answer that question ourselves. It seems that Bo Xilai's enemies were leaning on Wang Lijun. They'd already arrested some of his former officers. Wang Lijun was afraid he was next, and he asked his boss for protection. But Bo Xilai refused. He 
Wang Lijong was Bo's dog, following wherever he goes. He was born to be a subordinate. Lawyer Li Zhuang says Bo Xilai didn't have time for the problems of his dog. He was in the fight of his life for a place at that top table. But the pressure kept coming on Wang Lijun. Give up Bo Xilai or else. The best dirt he had on his boss was the murder, a murder he'd covered up. Any evidence against the boss would also incriminate him. So Wang Lijun went back to Bo Xilai, asking for protection. And this time... He tried blackmail. But instead of offering protection, Bo Xilai punched him for his impertinence. The police chief realised it was over between them. Bo would have Wang Lijun killed and cover up the murder. He'd then hold a memorial and publicly mourn him, saying his police chief made the ultimate sacrifice on the front line of the gang crackdown. Bo Xilai is a fantastic player. But that's when Wang Lijun outplayed his boss, fled to the US consulate and changed history. So let's remind ourselves where everyone is. Bo Xilai's wife, Gu Kai Lai, is serving a life sentence for murder. Wang Lijun got a mere 15 years because he eventually provided that crucial evidence against his boss. Gua Gua, the son of Bo Xilai and Gu Kai Lai, is lying low in the US. We'll come back to him. And Bo Xilai, convicted of bribery, embezzlement and abuse of power, was sentenced to life in prison. There's no sign above the gate here and there's no barbed wire. It doesn't look like a maximum security prison at all. We're just to the north of Beijing on the edge of the mountains and we've just driven up an avenue of poplar trees and in front of us is this huge red gate with a classical Chinese curved roof. Could be the entrance to an exclusive spa. It's got the it's got the high walls, it's got the trees, it's got the, it's got the feng shui, the mountains behind and the plain in front. But appearances are deceptive. This is Qincheng Prison, the legendary jail for China's top political prisoners. There's no chance of us getting inside here. It's notoriously secret. But we believe this is where Bo Xilai is serving his life sentence. It's so frustrating to think that Bo Xilai is only a couple of walls away from me right now. There are so many things that we don't know and that he does. Looking for answers, we went to Chongqing, the city Bo Xilai once ruled. Despite all our efforts, only one person in this city of 30 million was prepared to talk to us about the inside story. We were followed, our phone calls were bugged, our emails were hacked, and the Communist Party propaganda department got to everyone even to our one and only interviewee, before we did. Huang Zhuxi, this BBC. Well, this is what happens in China when the propaganda department has spoken and has told people they absolutely 100% should not talk to a foreign journalist. This kind of fortress door, iron-clad door, um, and silence on the other side 
is what you get. People are scared and it's just not worth their while. Down the street, there are row upon row of caged birds for sale in this Chongqing park. What's really striking is that despite the climate of fear among the party insiders, and despite the murder and the trials that painted Bojilai as a greedy hypocrite with a mad wife and a playboy son, the public, well, I'll let them speak for themselves. Bojilai is the only good official in China. Yes. So all the other officials are corrupt, they just put money in their pockets. number one. Good, good, good. Very, very emphatic about this. If you ask any Chongqing person, 99% of the ordinary Chongqing people don't ask the officials, but if you ask the ordinary Chongqing people, 99% of them think that Bo was a was a great politician working on their behalf. He really likes um, Bo. He thought he did a great job. He did, worked hard for the people. He says it's all down to political fighting that he's in prison now. It's not fair. The stuff that he did was not really a big deal. He's saying that he thinks Bo was a, was a good thing for Chongqing. He kept it really clean, uh, made the city look good. He says Bo was brought down by his family. So his wife, who murdered a man, and his son, who was living the high life abroad. But whatever the public think, at the end of the day, Chinese leaders are not picked by the people, they're picked by the party. Xi Jinping played the party politics better than Bo Xilai, with a classic takedown. You will know there's a Chinese phrase, Cheng zhe wei wang, bai zhe wei kou. So the victor is a king and the loser is a thief. James Richards, former diplomat and friend of Neil Haywood. It was a scandal which really shook the Communist Party and altered the course of Chinese history. We have the leadership that we know now, Xi Jinping, a single strong man who has the top positions in the party and the party military structure and who we see is enforcing an increasingly repressive regime internally, an almost obsessive desire to control everything, whether it's civil society, such as it can be in China, the media, any information which could question or threaten the Communist Party. And this has consequences beyond China. James Richards has a personal story about how Xi Jinping's information control may extend even to the UK. He's godfather to one of Neil Hayward's children, and after the murder, he tried in vain to get compensation for the family. I've always assumed that any conversations I had on the telephone or indeed any emails even sent from the, within the UK might be intercepted. Having said that, I did have a long folder, a full folder of hundreds of emails, which I had perhaps stupidly labelled for my own purposes, Chongqing incident. And when I switched on my computer one day, um, it had gone. It had gone. Does it make you uneasy to feel that you're under surveillance? Yes. Welcome to Xi Jinping's China. 
We were also under surveillance for months as we investigated this story. People whose experience I respect warned me it was dangerous. Bringing down Bortilai and others allowed Xi Jinping to present himself as a decent man, cleaning up corruption in a decadent party, and it left him unchallenged as China's new strongman. But Xi Jinping has a past too. Later this year, he'll tighten his control on power at another Communist Party Congress. But no Chinese emperor can relax on the throne. As for the murder in the Lucky Holiday Hotel, there are many unanswered questions. You could go so far as to ask, did Gu Kailai even do it? Don't expect the story to change as long as Xi Jinping's in power, but Neil Hayward's friend James Richards takes the long view. It may be that one day, as sometimes happens in China, where verdicts can be reversed and, you know, one truth is replaced by another truth. In the communist state, it is the past that is unpredictable. <laughs> and that's the story I wanted to tell you. The murder in the Lucky Holiday Hotel. I'm Carrie Gracie. The producers were Maria Byrne and Neil Rizal. Assistant producer, Joe Way. The series was mixed by James Beard and the editor was Hugh Levinson. Thanks so much for sticking with us. But before you go, one last point. Things can look as if they're going to go on forever in China and then they change suddenly. Case in point, Bortilai sits today in the very same prison which once held his father. And when the political wind changed 40 years ago, his father was released and reinstated at the top. The Boers are a dynasty and the next generation is not behind bars. Good time Guagua. He'll be 30 this year. Timothy Kim is a friend from Columbia Law School and with Guagua's blessing, he spoke to us on the phone from Los Angeles. I asked him about Guagua's ambitions. I mean, he plays it kind of coy, but it seems like he wants to go back at some point to China and be engaged in some sort of level of either policy or politics or something of the likes of that. After everything happened with his family, he kind of made a shift in his life and became a lot more reserved, kind of more like how he is today and is a little bit more serious about what he wants with his career. It's really interesting that you got the impression that he'd want to come back and serve in some kind of capacity in China. Did he ever talk to you about things that he missed? No, he wouldn't really talk about his life, like, in China at all. But one thing that I found interesting, at least, is if you look on his Facebook page, I mean, it's very sparse. But if you look at his profile picture, it's, a, it's an old photo of both him and his father. I think Guagua is probably like eight or nine in the, in the photo, and his, his father's like a, you know, a younger man. So I thought that was kind of telling about his general thoughts about his family and his feelings towards what happened and perhaps where he'd like to be uh, in the future.
thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.